What is up, everybody? This is Ryan here for the Scale Up Show. I have an awesome guest on today. I have Adam Tank. Adam has done some really, really unique things. Uh, I mean, where do I start? He basically uh, won the General Electric Shark Tank competition, created a robot to provide clean water to over 50 million people, has a startup that's rapidly growing right now, and gets into some really, really deep customer-led growth strategies that you're not going to want to miss. Check it out. How do you grow like a VC-backed company without taking on investors? Do you want to create a lifestyle business, a performance business, or an empire? How do you scale to an exit without losing your freedom? Those are the questions, and this show is the answer. Welcome, everybody, to the Scale Up Show. This is your host, Ryan Staley, and I have a very special guest with me today. I have Adam Tank. Adam is the founder and chief customer, customer officer at Transcend Software. Sorry about that. This is my, one of my first recordings since the Thanksgiving break, so a little <laughs> rusty. Um, on top of it, I mean, some really cool things that Adam's done. He's a serial founder, award-winning inventor, and angel investor. He solved one of the world's leading water challenges by inventing a revolutionary robotic device to help over 50 million people obtain clean water, which is absolutely awesome. He founded and sold a VC-backed uh, water robotics company to a publicly traded company. It's grown sales pipeline from early stage from zero to 80 million and increased lead conversion by 95% less than 30 days. Uh, Adam, I mean, you're, you're kind of touching them all there. We got sales, we got environment. I mean, inventions. Happy to have you on the show, man. Thank you. Thank you. Really excited. Really excited. Yeah, dude. You, 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 like, and I, I, I'm not blowing smoke up your butt here. I mean, like, that's a good, like, eclectic background so we definitely have to get into that a little bit later that's probably the most diverse things that somebody's done on the show so i can't i can't wait to talk through that so but before we do that man let's do a real quick revenue revenue rundown just so we understand like where you're at in the journey and the the stage that you're at so where are you guys at in terms of your ar so we so we as transcend were founded in late 2019 december of 2019 so we're a pandemic era startup and we have grown now in terms of team members from about 15 to just north of 60, close to 70 okay. now today. And our revenue has basically followed that same trend. So year wow. one, we were in the very low six figures. Year two, we basically doubled that. And then in year three, which is now year three, we've almost tripled that last number. So, you know, we're in, we're in well north of seven figure territory, feeling really good about it and on a trajectory to get us to that next inflection point where it's either raise a monster round and we can get into the pitfalls and pros of VC if we want um, or pursue a different path. We'll see what happens. Okay. Awesome, man. That's congrats on your success and, you. and you know, build into that turbulent time. Uh, so what's your primary revenue go to market strategy then? So in the early days we were founder led sales. Mm-hmm. So we were consultative B2B SaaS sales. We still are in many ways. Of course, we've had to find a way to productize that process, if you will, or, put a process to the sales org and build up a sales org over time. Uh, But we still do a lot of direct outreach. So direct outreach on LinkedIn, webinars, a lot of SEO focus. We do some other marketing efforts at conferences, you know, some of the, some of the more, we'll call it some of the basic stuff, but also in Mm -hmm. our industry, one of the things that we get excited about is something called a flywheel concept. So if you're familiar with scaling up or EOS or any of those business process sort of mantras, Mm-hmm. There's something called this flywheel concept, which basically is you think about a wheel and the way that it rotates. Mm-hmm. And anytime you put energy into a specific part of that wheel, 
And in this case, the wheel is a business. Anytime you put some type of energy, funding, people, attention, time, you want it to create momentum so that the, the, the wheel continues to turn basically on its own. And in our case, what we're doing is we're actually building features in our tool that, ex- that open up a new market for us. We then sell those features to that market. That market requests new features. We build those features. Then we make a, basically a generic version of the feature that opens up another market and we sell to that market. And then this flywheel keeps spinning. So that's the one that I'm pretty excited about now, which we've been going at for just over 12 months, probably 13, 14 months now. Wow. Okay. So I don't want to get off track. I want to, I want to go through this, yeah. but we are definitely going to dig into that later. I want to go deep on the flywheel concept sure. that you're talking about and like how you do that. Cause that sounds amazing. And obviously critical growth. I've seen that with other folks. Uh, I had the founder, Richard White of Fathom Video on, and it's really interesting. We got into like, from a product point of view, how to design virality in the product. I like that. And now that I've used his products, it's, it's an awesome, awesome solution. Um, but it's got so much built-in virality. It's crazy. And it reminds me of kind of what you're talking about with the flywheel mm. concept. So like with the K factor. Um, yep. yep. Okay. So we are definitely going to talk about that. All right. So right. let's talk about your solution though. So everyone has some, some, you know, context in terms of what exactly your solution does. And then we can kind of take it from there. All right. Have you ever been to a wastewater treatment plant? Uh, I've been by them. I don't know <laughs> if I've been like through them. Yeah, you know, I haven't been, yeah. Here's one that I haven't done. I will tell you this though. My friend is who we call a water nerd, right? Cause he used to work for Siemens water. Okay. And he talked about the conference where the guy had the, you know, the, the water that was basically a brown glass of water with feces, yeah. Yeah. put it through the filtration yeah. and then drank it. Right. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> to go down the wrong path, but talk to me about it. I didn't mean to derail you. Go That's ahead. quite all right. I mean, it's so think about that, that sort of visual that you just created. A wastewater treatment plant does that on a mass scale. So the mm-hmm. city that you and I live in, for most people in the US, they have a centralized wastewater treatment plant. Anytime you turn on the sink, flush the toilet, take a shower, that water goes somewhere. And typically right. when it goes, no one thinks about it. it just disappears. But it turns out that it goes through a, a long, in many cases, series of pipes, sewers, that is then pumped to this giant, smelly, concrete monstrosity that's usually located, you know, 10, 15, 20, 30 miles outside the city because no one wants to live near one because they're disgusting. The challenge that we have in the U.S. is that, that all that infrastructure is in horrible shape. I mean, to, on the magnitude of trillions of dollars to make sure that it functions appropriately, that needs to be invested to make sure that we have both clean water and efficiently treated wastewater. So just in the news this week, I don't know if you saw it, but Houston, the entire city of Houston is under a boil advisory right now as we speak. No, I wasn't aware of yeah. that. Okay. So the entire city, everyone there is supposed to be boiling their water in order to consume it because it might be unsafe because the infrastructure failed. Oof. And this is this, unfortunately, is, is the norm. So the American Society of Civil Engineers rates our infrastructure as a D, water infrastructure. And what our solution does is help the people responsible for building this infrastructure, build it better, faster, cheaper, more sustainably. And we do that through a design automation tool. So our software fully automates the engineering design of water and wastewater infrastructure. And it does it in hours rather than days or weeks at significantly reduced cost. Wow. That's awesome, man. So obviously you have a lot of opportunity. So take it, you're mostly selling the government then, or is it a combination of government and 
commercial or yep it's uh we do some b2g although we have targeted the engineering community for the most part as our like sort of number one user so it's it's b2b consultative selling um but to the flywheel concept we've actually found that targeting the government is maybe a more successful route to go down so we're still toying with that concept okay yep excellent man okay i love it so is that like going back to your your patent that you created or your, yeah. your invention, is that related to the product that, that you have or how did it, cause I mean, I know you have background in, in sales, you have background in, it sounds like some tech. So how did this all come about? Because this is like, how did you get here? Like, it's very interesting. Sure. Um, I think for you to share kind of your journey and how you got here. Yeah. So I, I, I won't go too far back, but I'll just say that I, I knew nothing about business when I graduated from college. Absolutely nothing. I was a microbiology major. So think about like your typical geek in a white coat in a lab playing around with microscopes. That literally was my life. When I graduated, I went to work for a Fortune 500 and was in a manufacturing plant. So working 24-7, so three shifts a day, right? 24 hours, seven days a week. And I thought that we in the manufacturing plant were the most important part of a company. Like what is a business if there's no product? What is a business if there's no service? If you don't have the thing that, de- that delivers value to people, then you don't have a company. Well, right. it didn't take long for someone in the sales organization to basically knock me on my ass and tell me I didn't know what the hell I was talking about. Because as it turns out, the product or service is, I'm not going to say a commodity, but in many cases, you can build whatever you want to build from a product point of view. You can create a service around any sort of knowledge or, right, like, templates, processes, et cetera. But the way that you sell it and market it is really how you get a business to boom, mm-hmm. to truly exactly. grow and scale. Yeah. And so I thought, oh my God, I got I to gotta switch things up. So I decided to get heavy into sales and marketing. So long story, long series of events. I moved to Rio de Janeiro, lived in Brazil, worked for a small business there, learned the sales and marketing thing, came back to the States, ended up getting an MBA, focused on entrepreneurship and sales. Went to work for General Electric after that. And that was my entry into water. So GE had what they called a, we'll call it an internal shark tank. So I'm sure you're familiar with the show shark tank. Oh yeah. 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 So GE said, Hey, any, at the time it was like a hundred thousand employees or more. And they said, anyone in this organization can submit an idea to have GE fund a business. And we'll take the top 10 ideas that people submit. And then those 10 people will come and present to president of GE Ventures, the chief marketing officer of General Electric, uh, some folks from the Silicon Valley community, investor community. And then whoever wins, we will actually fund that business as a startup. And you will move to San Francisco and you will live the typical like, you know, tech unicorn lifestyle, all that stuff that's all wrapped into that. So I ended up winning this, this, this competition at GE. Wow, that's awesome. And it was for the device. Yeah, go ahead. And how many people did you compete against? I mean, at the at the in the final round, there were ten. But, but as like far in total, yeah, applications maybe. submitted. I have no. I mean, hundreds, if not thousands. Wow. Yeah. And so, like, I mean, obviously, you went to school. You had the microbiology background. But how did you get the domain expertise to create that and and win that contest? Because that seems like a pretty big leap. Um, but I'm just curious, like, how did you make that a reality? Man, that's, something, I, that's truly something from nothing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I love this question because this is like, this is like my, my core thesis around growing a company, starting and growing a company. 
And it's all about customer-led growth, which is different than sales. Like revenue is, is the lifeblood of the company. If cash isn't coming in, you're hosed. Right. So I, like, I am 100% in the full sales camp. But when I say customer-led growth, what I mean by that is real, basically having your customer develop your product roadmap for you in addition to your business model. So by the time you're ready to sell that thing that you're creating, they're already bought in on both the technology and the value prop and the ROI. So in my case, when I was working at GE, I was in charge of their venture investments in early stage water companies. And one of the, one of these, one of the things that kept coming up with the, the asset owners, the utilities, their problem was that they have all these pipes underground, but they have no clue where they're failing. And if they are failing, how to fix them in a cost-effective way. You can imagine if there's a water main break in downtown Chicago. Oh yeah. You're closing off streets. Businesses are, have to close because they probably won't have water for a while, right? You got to manage all the traffic. You got to coordinate with the police department and construction crews and all this crap. I mean, it's a, it's a freaking nightmare just to repair a pipe. Oh, and yeah. it happens all like, I don't know what the stats are, but thousands and thousands of these happen every day in the U.S. It's, it's a huge, it's a huge deal. Anyway, one of the largest water utilities in the U.S., the head of innovation there was like, God, if only I had a robot that could go into these pipes and fix them from the inside, that would be, you know, that would be the dream. And I was like, oh, that's kind of a cool idea. I'll file that one right away in the back of my head and maybe something will come of it. Well, six months later, that, that competition was announced and that's what I pitched was the idea of a robot that could be inserted into water pipelines and detect leaks and then repair them from the inside. So it was, it was customer led growth. It was customer-led product development. It was customer-led business. It was customer-led ROI. I was told exactly what the robot needed to do and exactly what environments at exactly what price at exactly how many of those they would buy at that price. I had everything dialed in. So when I went to pitch this thing, it was like, hey, I already have the customer. I know exactly what the product needs to be. I know exactly how I'm going to sell it. All I need is the funding. And so I think that's probably why I won. So you didn't actually develop it. You just orchestrated the concepts from it to get the money and then you developed it, right? Correct. Yes. Okay. Yes. That's awesome. Yes. Yeah. I love that, man. So basically you just interviewed, I mean, you said one of the largest water systems in the US, right? The head of innovation. And so basically you just interviewed that guy and you're like, or gal, whatever it was, whoever that was, I should say not whatever. <laughs> um, and you're like, you're like, Hey, so, and then you just walked him through that. So Correct. what were those, those key four questions again that, that you had? Man, so this is, this is um, and I would encourage anyone who's listening to this that is considering starting a company or maybe is in the early stages of finding product market fit, go to the, the person or people that you think are going to be the ideal customer for your, for, your, for your service or your product. Before you build the thing, you think it's going to be a slam dunk, go and try to just sell them on the idea of this. And you are going to learn so much, not only about whether or not you're the thing that you're creating is actually valuable, but how to sell. Can you even get in front of the right people to pitch the idea is a challenge in and of itself. Mm -hmm. yep. yep. So when you finally get to the point that you can actually get in front of the people that you think are going to be the, the ultimate customer for this thing that you're developing, there's a couple of questions you want to ask. And the first one that I love to ask, and this is in any sales process, um, you sort of got to take your, take your lenses off of whatever the thing is that you're selling. And you got to ask them if you could wave a magic wand and have mm -hmm. anything happen in your business that would 
grow, help you grow exponentially, what would that be? Not in the context of what I'm here to sell, just generally. If you had a magic wand and you could wave it, what, what is the thing that you would want to happen? And you will get some remarkable answers. Remarkable answers. So that's the first thing that you want to do is really understand what are the challenges that they're facing. And in my case, the guy was like, I don't need someone that can like, you know, detect leaks from outer space. I don't need someone that can listen to leaks on fire hydrants. I don't need blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't need billing solutions. I don't need this. I don't need that. What I need is, and then he just spit out this whole thing. So when I had that and, you know, some really curious listening, some intentful listening, I then took that, those learnings. And then I went and interviewed all these other people who were in similar position to him at other water utilities. And I asked them the same set of questions. If you had a magic wand, what, you know, what would you want it to do? Um, if this thing existed, what would it look like? How would it work? What would you pay for it? What's the value to you? And so over time, that's where we ended up. We ended up basically building a product based on everything the customers were telling us. That's awesome. Uh, and what was your biggest surprise from going through that process? I think my single biggest was I had a customer tell me, I don't know how many people have walked in my office to try to sell me something. Your approach was so refreshing. Because at that point, I, I didn't have something to sell. It was just an idea. It was a vision. And so the way that I sold it was, help me, help me create this thing and help me build something that's actually valuable instead of building something and coming to you a year from now and giving you this thing and you go, yeah, that's great, but I needed to do right these 10 other things that it doesn't do. And so what was surprising to me was that approach of being completely transparent with the customer around where I was in the development cycle and asking them for their feedback, radically transparent, radical candor, really opened up the doors for me because he was also willing to make referrals to other people in the network that were also going to become potential customers. Yes, that's awesome. I love referrals too. I'm a, I'm a big proponent of referrals. So, um, as we, as we spoke about a little bit before, because it's yes. it's massively untapped. Hello, this is Ryan here. Real quick, if you are enjoying this episode, please hit the subscribe button and leave a comment or review. If you want more help or just want to learn more about what the top SaaS CEOs and founders are doing, check out my website at www.ryanstaley.io. Join my newsletter, check out other free content resources I have there, and let me know if you want to scale your business. Now back to the episode. So let's talk about, let's shift gears a little bit. So how does that process relate to creating the flywheel that you mentioned earlier on? And, you know, when we talked in the intro, Sure. Um, because it sounds like you've, you've built a lot of this into the product as well. So it happens organically. Am I correct? Yeah. Yes, that's right. So, so the robotics company happened, moved to Silicon Valley, raised venture funding, was acquired about three years later by a publicly traded business. Fast forward to today. Now we're working at Transcend. Transcend is that software business we were we were talking about. And what we, and this is not my concept, this is around scaling up, which is a book you can literally buy off a shelf and you can hire a coach to help your business go through this. But something called the flywheel concept. So in our case, we have like five components, five or six components to the flywheel. So we have your customer, you have your product feature set, you have your, your sales strategy and your customer success strategy. You have them using the product and creating value. You have then have the customer requesting more features and functions for your product that you then 
put available into a public version of the tool that you then go and sell to a new set of customers. So in our world, what that looks like is you have a water utility who's looking to build a specific type of wastewater treatment plant. And there's a bunch of different mm-hmm. kinds. I'm not going to nerd out on it now, but suffice to say, there's a lot, that, there's a lot that goes on there. And let's say they request, Hey, I want to design this type of treatment plant. And that's not currently something our software can do. We'll say, okay, what's that worth to you? We're happy to develop it. No problem. And we negotiate it. We, we develop that feature, implement it into the tool. They start seeing value from it. They start running designs. They start getting an ROI. They get excited about what else they want the software to do. So either another type of treatment plant or maybe a different vertical, maybe they want to go on drinking water. We've actually now expanded into the power industry as well. And so, okay, we'll develop that module. Oh, now that we've developed power, turns out there's this whole other subset of utilities, power utilities or power engineering firms that can now use our tool. So now we're going to go sell to them and the same thing's going to happen. They're going to use the software. They're going to get value. They're going to request more features and the flywheel continues to spin. Love that, man. So, and we, we talked about chaos a little bit before we started recording um, versus like working at a, a legacy company or a, a big, you know, well-known brand, I guess, obviously at every single stage of a business, there's always constraints, right? In terms of attention, energy, time, and money, no matter how big you are, how fast you're going, you always run up to that in one way, shape, or form or the other, right? So in terms of all these requests, how do you determine like the value, or I should say, how do you determine whether or not you pursue those, those product request features that, that pop up? God, it's a, this is like a million dollar question. And we have so many processes we've had to develop over the years to make sure we do this properly. And it's a phenomenal question to ask. So we have basically our, our, our company, if you think about it, this is a very uh, simplified manner there. It's, it's, let's say 20 to 30% sales, customer success, HR, you know, finance, et cetera, focus groups. And then we have a full development team, full stack development team. So, you know, 25% rough or uh, uh, 75% of the company is basically full stack development. And the rub happens when you have a sales org that wants to sell new product, new products and services and features. Mm-hmm. And you have a development team that has an existing roadmap that they've charted out for six months or 12 months. And (laughs) the middle is where the friction occurs, which is exactly what you're asking about. So what we do is it's a, it's a multifaceted process and there's a lot of detail here. So I'm going to try to simplify it as best I can. It's a mix of how big is the opportunity with the existing customer and what does it do for our flywheel? Does it expand the range of potential customers that we can, that we can serve and sell to? Does it basically increase our TAM is the question we're asking. If yes, then you could think about it getting a certain amount of points, if you will, to raise it up the, the development timeline scale. All right, there's one set, which basically a commercial set of questions. The next one is, what, what does it require from a development point of view? Do we have that resourcing? And if so, does it take them off of something else that we need to shift the development priority for? And if the answer is yes, and we need to, then it gets another certain amount of points. And so then we start doing this, basically this giant shuffle game with an agile development process, thinking through a roadmap. And so we, we now at this point, we have features baked out for the next at minimum six months and like super crystallized. And we try to get at least a year, if not a year and a half in advance of that stuff. Wow. So it's, you can think about like a giant puzzle basically, right? And you're just constantly shifting parts and pieces. That's fantastic, man. 
I love that. Yeah. I, um, so what's the frequency then you reviewed as a team and then what teams are involved when you do that? So every, is it every week now, every two weeks I've stepped, I've stepped a bit away from that process recently, which I'm happy about. That's was sort of my goal was to get out of some of the, the, the weeds of some of that stuff. Um, but I think it's every two weeks, we basically have a, a formal demo, I'm sorry, a formal feature request and approval process that we have to go. So if you're a frontline salesperson, your customer says, hey, I want this thing and you think you can sell this thing, then you have to do a very detailed, what we call a PR FAQ, which is actually really interesting. And this might be something the listeners will get excited about. So PR FAQ is press release, frequently asked questions. We actually write a press release for this potential feature and customer in advance of building it. So we can define exactly what this thing is going to look like when we launch. And in some cases, we'll actually share that press release with the customer so that we're on the same page before we develop that feature. So you'd be, right. you'd, be, you'd be amazed what happens when you share that with someone. And it's like, today, Transcend announces right this new feature with such and such a customer. And you put that in front of the customer, you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. This isn't at all what we wanted. This isn't all what we what we signed up for. And then that helps you determine the prioritization of development roadmap and the feature that you're building and all that kind of stuff. That's clever, man. I love I love the level of feedback that you're getting and how you've been very creative in terms of kind of adapting it to the the different parts of your company. Like that's I think that's very unique in terms of as a company and, and how you guys are kind of approaching things. We've had to be creative from day one because we're fully remote and we've, we've, we've been, we were pre-pandemic and we also, our time zones are all wacky because the development team is in Budapest, Hungary primarily. And then the mm-hmm. rest of us are in North America. And so there's a level of communication. You, you really have to over communicate in many ways or else things just totally break down and don't work. So I think that's probably why we've done, we've tried to do a good job at getting that feedback, that love sort of shared around the org. Yeah. Yeah. That, I think that's great, man. So we're, we're almost up on time. Uh, but what I would love to hear is like where you're at, because it sounds like you've had tremendous growth since 2019, you know, in the short time that you guys have been around. <clears throat> um, what would you say is your, your single biggest challenge with growth right now and getting kind of the next level? <clears throat> it's definitely finding, recruiting, retain, developing, retaining top-notch talent. Mm-hmm. that's it. The, the, the next evolution of our company, it's going to be the people that make or break it. Okay. Are you, are you talking, is there specific departments? Are you talking like on the tech side, like development side on the sales side? What are the biggest areas for that? Yeah. Dev side is tough. Um, dev side is tough. I would say we're always looking for de- good, good talented devs. CS. So customer success and, you know, existing customer sales and service, that is a big one. And we're always looking for talent there. And we're, we're interviewing constantly, probably hiring about one CS person a quarter at this point, which mm-hmm. is really pretty cool. Um, but I think the, probably our, our single biggest challenge is, is around finding people who it's more of, it's more of who they are rather than what role they're going to play. So finding someone who has typically more of a technical background, either in engineering or infrastructure or even SaaS in particular, and understands how to sell super complex, highly consultative B2B deals with a high ACV, um, those people are hard to find. And they're hard to find in our industry specifically. So that's, yeah, I think think that's going to be the the one. Yeah, I mean... 
here's what I realized, like, cause I had to do that with like no budget, right. And build a team from scratch in that area. And one of the things that I found like incredibly useful, like in, and it sounds like this would align with your business, but um, I always interviewed deep on a person's values. Like in, you know, I know it's, it's trending to say growth mindset, but like a couple of questions I would always ask in the interview that sniffed it out is like, okay, on a day-to-day basis, what do you do to develop yourself? Mm. Right. Like how do you, um, what do you value most outside of like work and career? Right. Like start to get deep on that. And um, it was really interesting. Some of the answers, because like there's people that immediately disqualify themselves. So like, <laughs> yeah, I don't really do anything um, outside of it, you know, or like what are the last, you know, of, of the three books that you've read that have had the biggest impact or the last, what's your favorite book that you read that that's had an impact? Some people couldn't even say like, uh, yeah, I don't really read books at all. I don't, you know, like you right. get that and you're right. like, yeah, this might not be for you. Right. Sure. Cause like you do, I mean, like if you have the functional expertise and like the technical know-how for the vertical or space you're in, like the customer in a high AC area could smell that a mile away. Right. So it's definitely a tough challenge, but anyways, that was just something that I saw work really well with like, I love junior it. people. Yeah. yeah. I would say, especially in an earlier stage company, you have to have people that are just insanely curious. They always yeah, want to exactly. learn. They always want to take ownership. They always, you know, in a, in a, in a big company, you can be like, Hey, I, I think we should do this. And what happens next is that someone says, great, let's set up a meeting. And six months from now, you've had six meetings and nothing's ever happened. In a startup, someone says, hey, I have this idea. And you go, great, (laughs) go for it. Run with it. (laughs) No one's stopping you, right? Like, it's all go for Like, yeah, no one's going to stop you. So that's, and you want to find people who not only have the good ideas, but are willing to take the bull by the horns and run with it. Because that's, that's how you make change in a, in a small company. You're right, man. Execution is the other half of it. You definitely cannot skim by. Um, so, all right, well, we are up on time. Unfortunately, this is awesome. Adam, I had a blast. Where can people find you? Where can they find out more about transcend software? And then we'll wrap things up. Yeah. So I, I know we spent most time talking about transcend, uh, transcend h2o.com or transcend infra. We just changed the URL cause we're expanding beyond water, which is pretty cool. Um.com. And then myself personally, you know, I, as much as I spend time developing B2B SaaS businesses and I do love it. Don't get me wrong. I also enjoy helping out other founders. And so I'm an advisor. Uh, I'm an investor in some cases in early stage companies. And I love to do sales coaching too, because it's something that I get excited about. I like to see people make money. So if any of that excites you, email me, meet at adamtank.com. And we'll find some time to get you on the calendar and see if we can't help one another. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Well, congrats on that. Congrats on the new addition to your family as well. We didn't talk about that. Thank you. So, um, but it was really, really awesome having you on the show, man. I appreciate you. And uh, we'll see you all in the next episode. Thank you for checking out the scale up show. My mission in life is to help founders and revenue leaders avoid all the pain and suffering in revenue growth so they can flip it and create a life of their own design. So if you enjoyed this show, please like, review, share it on social, and more importantly, just share it with a friend. Share it with someone that you think could learn and benefit from what you heard on today. But the more we get the message out, the more people we could help, the bigger the impact we make, and the bigger the community gets, which helps everybody. So once again, thank you for being a loyal listener. I appreciate you and look forward to seeing you on the next episode.